Why can't you... You should just set up that automatic thing. Automatic broccoli delivery. No, it is. ABC. (gasps) It's not ABC. Automatic broccoli delivery starts with a D. It's ABD. Sorry, but that's not nearly as catchy. Welcome to Too Real Tokyo. I'm Angie. I'm Jamie. This is a podcast about the quirks and quandaries of life in Tokyo and life in general. We want to thank you in advance for hanging out with us today and remind you that you can always find us on all major streaming platforms, except for not Google Play because that's not a thing in Japan. Sorry. Make sure to share with your friends And leave us a rating on iTunes, because that's how we get the word around. Thanks! Welcome to episode 10, Iterations. Where we talk about the instinctual subtypes of the Enneagram. What is your quirk this week? Um, My quirk is Japanese convenience stores, or konbinis, as we know them here. Um, I grew up in a suburb of Detroit, which sounds way more hood than it actually is. (laughs) um i only ever went to convenience stores at the gas station um and i never went in after dark Hmm. yep (laughs) and so the quirk about japanese convenience stores is there's bathrooms that you can get to without getting a key that are extremely clean which is, like, the polar opposite of bathrooms at gas stations in the States. Um, and you can get pretty much everything at a konbini. You can get a lunch that's already made and they'll heat everything up for you, like spaghetti or another Japanese meal. Katsudon is my favorite. Um, you can get any type of snack, any type of drink. There's an ATM, there's magazines, there's books... There's hot food in the front that they, like, make... Well, I mean, it's probably frozen. And then they put it in the fryer. And they sell hot coffee as well. And pretty much, even if you needed, like, tights or something, if your tights got ripped while you were out, you can find tights there. And it really is a convenience store. It has everything that you would need in a pinch. Um, Anyway, Japanese konbinis are amazing and I don't think any can compare I agree I didn't even interrupt your soliloquy because I was gonna it say was... soliloquy too <laughs> because it was so true everything yeah. is so true for real they are amazing <laughs> what is your quandary um I feel like the main thing that comes to my mind is a thing that I already said. Okay. What what was that again? I said about my laundry problem. Laundry that's my, quandary. That's my quandary mm-hmm. every week. I already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll talk about something else. Even though I don't know if quandary is the right word. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, it's sort of adjacent to what you just talked about. Mm-hmm. This is about how... Um, I get my groceries delivered. So there's mm-hmm. not much quandary in it at all. The only thing that's a quandary in the situation is the fact that I have to order everything a week in advance, 
And I keep missing my deadlines. <laughs> I haven't ordered Pal in like six months, literally. <laughs> the bin out there is all gross. Oh, the bin out there is all gross. I noticed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't you order something this time? When's your deadline? Wednesday. Okay, order something right now. Okay. Can't you order it with your phone? Uh-huh. Oh. Well. It's a little small, but... Yeah. The thing is, anyway, I'm so thankful that this service exists. And I'm not saying this is a quandary as to complain about it. It's more quandary with myself that I'm ordering from two different services because they sell things that are slightly different, and I like both of them. And the one has the ordering deadline at 2 o'clock in the morning. So that doesn't even make sense. I don't know. When I get the warning emails, then I... First of all, I ought to know because this has already been going on for years. So I should know that deadline. But usually every week I get an email and then I'm like, oh yeah, that deadline. And then I see that it says something about Tuesday. Mm-hmm. No, but no, it's no. it's Tuesday at 2 a.m., Right? Uh, sorry. It says something about Wednesday, but it's Wednesday at 2 a.m. So then often I think, oh, it's on Wednesday, and then I go to bed, and then when I wake up the next morning, I think, oh, okay, time to order something, and then it's like, no, no, you're not. Mm-mm. Because yeah. while you were asleep, the deadline while passed. While you were sleeping. While you were sleeping. Ooh, isn't it like the 20th anniversary of that movie or something? Is it? I don't know. Maybe not that movie. Also, Some... I'm sorry it was so dungeon in here with only having that laying on. It's okay. That was... That's a good one, though. My quandary is, why do I never order anything? Yeah. <laughs> that is a quandary. I do... Because their broccoli is way cheaper. Oh, come on. Why can't you... You should just set up that automatic thing. Automatic broccoli delivery. No, it is. ABC. <gasps> it's not ABC. Automatic broccoli delivery starts with a D. Oh. It's ABD. Sorry, but that's not nearly as catchy. Oh. <laughs> 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 Woohoo! ABD! <laughs> it sounds like, like you have something on a disease. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, now I have a cramp in my leg. ABD! <laughs> Very close to AED, which you might need if you have ABD. Wow. True. <laughs> We're almost doctors by now. Yes! <laughs> <What>? <laughs> okay, were we going to talk about mixed feelings? Oh! I feel like that was a f- segment that we had one Once. episode a long time ago. Mixed Feelings Monday. Mixed Feelings Monday? Because when we're recording, it's always a Monday. It's always a Monday. Today is a Monday. I mean, I have mixed feelings about the fact that several of our colleagues are sick. Mm-hmm. And they were sick last week, too. Different yeah. different colleagues were sick All last week. All the colleagues. Week. All the sick colleagues. I'm just like, part of me is like, when, when is it my turn? But I've been taking vitamins like crazy. Really? And drinking all the Ningxia. Oh, wow. I mean, that ought to do the job. I know. So I'm really hoping that it just passes me over. Hopefully there's... Oh, there was blood on my hands last week. What? I painted the blood over the door. Oh my and goodness. The, I'm getting overly the, dramatic The now. angel of death is passing over I me. I don't know if that's actually happening. But I heard from one of my friends today that her son tested positive and she has four kids. 
So she really, really doesn't want it to spread to other people like her daughter who has a huge championship field hockey game in a couple of days. No. So I ran to my fridge and I put all of my elderberry syrup in a different bottle and gave it to them. So as soon as we're done talking, I need to go home and make more. Yeah. Right? That's important. It is. Um, I'm not sure we expressed as many mixed feelings as we were planning. I mean, my mixed feelings would have to be about the delivery system. Oh, yeah. I always have super good intentions of doing it, but my other mixed feeling is like, I'm ordering this today and getting it a week from Wednesday, a week from Tuesday. Right. And and that also makes me sad. (laughs) I think, did you know, did you know we can order that Amazon pantry thing now? Oh, we talked about that the other day, but then I never looked into it. I'm pretty sure we can order that now, but I haven't ordered it yet, so I don't know, especially, like, their fresh, the time. Oh, fresh yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, I feel a little bit, like, If you've sure. ordered from Amazon Pantry fresh things, let us know how that's gone. Whoa. But really... I thought you were talking to me, but suddenly oh, you were talking to... I was to... talking to the people. <laughs> okay. <I don't> <laughs> English, um, English is so limited like that. It is. Whenever you say you, then it's like, which you are you talking? In the but Uber Eats is the one that needs to step their game up. They just offered me 2,000 yen off, and I was like, I can't even use this. You have to, like, go ride the train somewhere that they come to. <laughs> just knock on somebody's door and be like, can I borrow your apartment for, like, an hour? <laughs> just so my Uber Eats can be delivered here. And then I have to carry it home as if I work for Uber Eats. That doesn't even make sense. Start I your- could have just gone to the store five start- minutes away from my house. Start your own Uber Eats. That'll be faster. <laughs> yeah, we said it was going to be called Super Eats. We talked about this. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It's a long time ago. Don't give up on this podcast, everybody. No, <laughs> <laughs> we started repeating ourselves. It's fine. Great. <laughs> Today, we're talking about um, the... Tr- nope, we're not talking about triads. We talked about that last week. We are talking about the... Instinctual subtypes. Instinctual subtypes, which recently, if you followed your Enneagram coach, they had a series that was really, really good. I felt like it summarized each one well. Um, so check out that. Your Enneagram coach has a series on instinctual type, sub-instinctual types. <laughs> What? Whatever they are, okay. I don't know anymore. I'm hear a lot of mumbling going on over here. <laughs> um, we're also looking at uh, the book, The Complete Enneagram, by Beatrice Chestnut, and I really like this book. It's very thorough with its descriptions of I mean, different... it looks like a textbook, <clears throat> also. Right. Honestly, it looks like a textbook. However, in the same vein as a textbook, if you have it, then it's so convenient you can pick it up and flip to the part that you're interested in at any point. And so I um, I am looking at uh, page 27 and um, there I do really like the way that your Enneagram coach explained it recently, but the idea of the subtype is that within each person, regardless of what type you are, there are sort of 
different kinds of energy, and I don't know, I, I'm sure this sounds a little woo for some people, but I think it really makes sense. And different people tend to prioritize the way they use their different types of energy differently, which, um, as I mentioned last episode, I really like thinking about that kind of thing and trying to understand that kind of thing because I feel like it helps to explain if I'm a nine and you're a nine, why does it seem like we're dissimilar in a lot of ways? And I think you can explain differences between people who are the same type Mm -hmm. with this subtype thing. The names that uh, the Complete Enneagram uses for the subtypes are self-preservation, social, and then they use sexual, and of course, I don't really like that, and I think that your Enneagram coach changed that one to be called one-to-one or something. Sometimes referred to as one-to-one instinct. Mm. This uh, subtype generally directs energy towards the achievement and maintenance of close connections Mm. uh, and bonding with other individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, I just explained that one, so let me keep going. Uh, On the other hand, a social subtype or a social instinct uh, is more focused on interaction with groups Mm -hmm. instead of um, individuals. So things like how do you fit into a group? Um, What are the relationships in the group? Not only with yourself, but with other people in the group. Um, You know, and of course, it could be any kind of group. Your family, your community, your workplace, your church, wherever. And then the one called self-preservation is a little more kind of self-explanatory in that that one means uh, the person who prioritizes this instinct Um, would direct energy towards safety, security, having enough resources, avoiding danger, that kind of thing. Um, In other words, it just that the person is concerned with protecting themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's nothing wrong with any of these. They're not meant as a judgment. It's just a way to try to help you understand yourself and the people around you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? What do you want to say about it? Um, I don't, I don't know. That's the next thing I was thinking about. I was like, where do we want to go from here? Um, I think just in general, and like Jamie said, we did talk about this last week as far as, um, these types of things, as well as your wings, as well as understanding your triad, it kind of helps you understand how you're different from other people that identify as the same number. Mm -hmm. And I think I really saw this with my oldest niece because she's also a six. She, but she's a six wing five. And I also think we have a different subtype as well. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I wouldn't, in the beginning, I wouldn't have put us both as sixes, Mm -hmm. kind of reading a little bit more through wings and subtypes. It makes a lot of sense. We can both still be a six but we process things a lot a lot differently. Mm-hmm. And that even came up, too, the last time we were together. So, which I think it's just... It's, it's not a, like, broad-sweeping statement when you're like, I'm this number, because actually, it's a lot deeper than that. Oh, yeah. 
you were to order mm-hmm. those instincts, which one, mm-hmm. which do you think, how do you think it goes for you? Do you want to be dramatic and present them weakest to strongest? Ooh. <laughs> yes. I would say one-to-one is my least, though I think usually I feel like one-to-one would be like what I would lean towards, but the way that it's described is not, mm. is totally the opposite of me. Mm -hmm. Um, One-to-one, so for sixes, it's strength slash beauty, the counter type. So, usually for sixes, that's counterphobic six. Um, So, these sixes press into their strength and intimidation, and they do that verbally and physically. Um, So, they definitely lean into... Well, not lean into because it's not possible, but often those people are thought to be eights because of how forceful that they can be. Yeah. So, instead of taking in their fear and kind of looking at it inside it's expressing that outward and being very confrontational with with people I guess that's what it means one-to-one I always think one-to-one as being more of an intimate like friendly thing Mm -hmm. but I guess in this way one-to-one is you're dealing with one person and kind of focusing that anger or fear on them Mm -hmm. instead of on yourself but you see that one as being less... That's my least. Less priority to you? Yeah. Okay, so then Because I what... can't deal with them. Okay. Confrontation. <laughs> mm. It's okay. I understand. How mm-hmm. about number yeah. two? Um, I feel very, like, wishy-washy because they're, they're similar. Are you reading this from your Enneagram coach? Yeah. What? Your Enneagram coach website? Uh, Instagram. Oh, okay. Um... Because I feel like it depends on the situation, too. Um, I would... Mm, I would say probably self-preservation would be my middle one. Oh, no, 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 no. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. As I'm, like, reading through them, I'm like, maybe not. Because social sixes love accuracy, precision... And do not tolerate ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I like those things, but I'm not necessarily good at those things. Well, do not tolerate ambiguity sounds so... Yeah. I don't really... I don't know. I don't see Um. It. I think you tolerate ambiguity just fine. <laughs> <laughs> True. As I'm like, what? I don't... What am I? <laughs> but <clears throat> the thing that I do attach on to is that, again, the social social ones it's group think mm-hmm. and for sixes that's considered duty uh-huh. so in that sense I feel like I am very much of a group think person if somebody who is a strong leader is like this is the way it's gonna be and everybody's like yeah then I totally would go along with it even if I didn't believe that right so in that type of group think way I can identify with that's why it's in the middle. It's in the middle. Okay. So that means self-preservation is my top one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> their fear expresses their self in insecurity, worry, and self-doubt, which any of my friends, past or present, can probably 
give you a handful of times that I've expressed self-doubt. Um, especially if it's in a situation where I feel like it's something very important. Like if that decision is going to change something. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, at school two years ago now, we were working on a special thing, thing. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) We were working on a report for the whole school was working on this report to give to the people who come in and do our accreditation. And so I felt really responsible for the part that I was writing, but it was also my first year teaching at our school. And so I felt like I didn't know a lot of the ins and outs. And so I was very, very, um, I had a lot of self-doubt and usually that comes out in, as in like whining or like, I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense. And so I had to rely on (laughs) my wonderful friends in that group, which (laughs) our wonderful friend who's a one graciously sat with me and read through everything that I had written and affirmed (laughs) slash helped me change some of the things. Sorry, I didn't help you. I was like, stop whining. (laughs) (laughs) But that type of situation, like, is one of the scariest situations for me. Like, I felt like people were depending on me, but I also felt like I didn't have enough information Mm -hmm. on my own. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's why it was turning into me melting down because I, there was, I didn't know how to deal with that kind of pressure. Yeah. That's actually a super interesting example, though, because I was there, too, and the whole situation in general was kind of stressful. Yeah. Um, So I think it's interesting to consider different reactions, because I felt a lot of the same things that you're saying. However, my response was super different. I was more like, you guys are not giving us enough information. Yeah. You know, and I think some of it, too, was just even knowing how to access the information. Yeah. Um, but we didn't know. I don't know. I, I spent a lot of that time telling myself, like, and even whether this was true or not, I don't know. But I just told myself, nobody's giving me enough information, and that's not my fault. So, mm-hmm. huh. <laughs> 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 But I think... That's my way of trying to protect myself. Yeah. You know, that, like, I don't want to, if I get, if I were to get, like, over, allow myself to get upset about it, as I actually was upset about it, but I didn't want to admit that I was upset about it because getting as upset as I actually was, (laughs) or, like, what, expressing that would have felt like conflict. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, that's the thing to avoid. So, anyway. Good example. Thanks. I hope it makes sense. I don't know people who are listening are like, what are you guys talking about? But Yeah. Yeah. Well, and another example that I always think about, at least for myself, too, is in college, especially when I was doing, like, big projects, like, I knew all the information and I knew that I knew... I knew that I knew it, 
but always, no matter what kind of project it was, like, the night before, I would totally, like, lose it and, like, be crying and lying on the floor and, like, <laughs> Whoa. um, not always crying, but there would always be a moment where I'd, like, feel like I couldn't just, I just couldn't do it anymore. Hmm. And my roommate was always like, you know what you're doing, like, you know the information, you have been studying this, mm-hmm. but that's that self-doubt and... After, when I was learning the Enneagram, I was like, oh. <laughs> mm. Then it made sense. Yeah. Yeah. But in those moments, like, I never can remember that I actually have done good things and, like, helped make changes. But in the moment, I'm always like, I don't know what's happening and I don't know if that's the best decision. Well, I don't know if that's true, though. I mean, I think... I think that you've changed in that area at least a little bit. Yeah, I think a little bit. It used to be a lot worse than it is now. Yeah. Just because I'm aware of it, too. Right. I think that that makes a difference right there. Yeah. You know? How about you? What What is your um, wor- or least least connected to and most connected to sub- um, I'm trying to look at that thing. Uh, which while you're looking, here, I'll say something else. Okay, say something else. <laughs> um, it's not that you don't have one of these. It's on a sliding scale. You could identify with all three of them, but you're gonna be more likely in one of them, and then lesser in the other two. If that makes sense. I don't know. Hashtag (laughs) self-doubt. Whoa, microcosm of what I was just talking about. For real, though. (laughs) Um, Okay, if we're doing a 3-2-1, then I would say... Uh, based, these are based on the, your Enneagram coach descriptions, so I don't know. That's the other thing I do feel like. It's definitely the same information, but sometimes if you express it differently, then it... Well, and, and this is just a super, like, overview version, too. Right, yeah. Well, anyway, I feel like, actually, maybe I'm a little opposite of what you said. Self-preservation is my least... Like, at least if I think of this description, because this one says that the uh, type 9 self-preservation instinct is someone who has their own pace, routines, philosophy of life, and will resist any demand to change these. If their routine or lifestyle is disrupted, it is extremely difficult and challenging for them. And I feel like maybe I'm just making it up, but I'm not... I'm... I don't know. I don't feel... I don't connect to that at all. Mm-hmm. I think I'm almost on the other side of people talk about, you know, it's good to have a routine. It's important to know, you know, do these same five things every morning or whatever. And I don't know why. I am certainly old enough by now to understand that that makes sense and that it's to a person's advantage and that I myself would benefit if I would engage with that more. And I... 
I don't know if I have this, some like five year old part of myself is left over. <laughs> I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. Because thing. it holds you to that. I, it's a standard. I guess. I don't want to do the same thing all the time. Like, I can get all fired up talking about how that is so boring, and I don't want to do that. And thinking of having a routine makes me want to, like, jump off a cliff. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know if that's more, like, where is that coming from? Like, is that so TCK? Or I want to think that I'm making... Because I could, at the same same time, say the opposite thing, where, like... I also know that having to make a bunch of decisions is stressful and makes me shut down. Mm -hmm. So if I don't have a routine equals making a ton of decisions (laughs) and causing myself to shut down, right? So actually, I feel like that's kind of a sticking point for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, this is just like in life. When I hear people, yeah, I, I just do struggle with that. I I think it actually would be better for me to have more routines than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Men- and at least mentally, I feel very averse. Like, I don't want to do that. Um, okay. Anyway, I'll keep going. Um, I think my number two is probably one-to-one. It says that this type, or this subtype... Uh, this one would take on the attitudes, ideas, and feelings of others. Um, and this makes them, let's see, da, da, da. They, f- they feel it's too difficult for them to stand on their own. They are sh- kind, shy, gentle, and not very assertive. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you connected with the first half of that, but... I don't... I mean... Yeah. But also, extrovert, introvert, which we talked about last week. Right. Or the week before. I don't know. We talked about that at some point. Anyway, maybe I'm just making stuff up now, but I don't really see myself like that. Mm-hmm. I think I'm more like this one. Uh, social participation type. Mm-hmm. Um, or this is my top one. I think, I'm sure I have elements of the other one, the other ones. But it would make sense considering that's the counter type. Oh, yeah. Okay, true. So, this type expresses their passion of sloth. Thank you. Love it. Uh, by trying to merge with a group so they can feel like they belong somewhere, but they never fully feel like, feel like they fit into a group. This is the counter type. Actually, this was so interesting because I don't think I had ever, until I read through these, I hadn't really understood that counter type thing. I thought Uh that um, only six had a counter type. Mm -hmm. But apparently nine also has it or they also have it. I don't really know. This one is more outgoing, active, and involved with the world and others. They are optimistic and tend to be the glue in society, yet they will still withhold themselves emotionally, it says. All credit to your Enneagram coach. I can't say that enough times. This type can resemble sevens or threes because of their cheerfulness and task orientation. 
Okay, I feel like I am cheerful. I don't feel like I'm task-oriented. <laughs> well, when we have a task, we do it, though. No, that's true. They still struggle with inertia and fully knowing and pursuing their own desires. Yeah. I think that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. I And I think it 100% depends on what the task is, too. Yeah. Like, when I... Right after I... or through my time as a university student and then the year after I I was the um what is it executive assistant to this uh, guy and his wife and they owned a real estate agency and they had certain like I was very it was random it was it could be anything like one minute I'm doing computer stuff and the next minute I'm dropping their things off at the dry cleaner mm-hmm. and like babysitting their kids. I don't, mm-hmm. it was like, and I was fine with that. I actually, you know, speaking of, sorry, speaking of what we were just saying, I liked that because it had variety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, however, it was, there was some repetition in the things that I needed to do. And then the ones I didn't want to do, I just like wouldn't do them. <laughs> It was so bad. And I would be chastising myself. The thing that I hated the most, which I feel I haven't changed in this, was (laughs) going to the post office. I hated Um, going to the post office. I can't even explain it. Like, the feeling of mailing a letter is great, right? But there's something about going there. I don't know. Like, go there. (laughs) You wait in line. You have to wait so uh long. You somehow end up feeling like you did something wrong. Even though you're the one who has to pay money. I don't mm-hmm. know. I just don't enjoy going to the post office. Mm-hmm. But almost... I mean, this is a real estate agency, so of course they have tons of things they're mailing all the yeah. time. I could not avoid going to the post office, but I would put it off until the <laughs> last minute. My boss would be like, did you mail such and such? And I would be like, um, uh-huh. And it would actually be in my car. And I would be like, oh, okay. I have to, you know. Go I, right I'd now. be like, um, I have to go now. And really, I'm <laughs> rushing to the post office so that I wouldn't be lying about the fact that I had mailed the thing on a certain day. Oh, memories. <laughs> mm. Mm. I do feel, too, though, like... I just don't, I don't understand how do people make themselves do things that they don't want to do. Mm. <laughs> Even yesterday I listened to um, the Enneagram Journey. Mm-hmm. I know I was texting you about it. The Enneagram Journey podcast, the recent one um, with Audrey Asad, mm-hmm. and she's a nine. But I don't know. She's like 10 years younger than me. She's already way, she's like blasted past me as far as, and it's not a competition. Uh, but she has gone to a lot of therapy and, you know, Mm. anyway. Um. Our weekly go to therapy plug, which (laughs) neither of us go to therapy right now. (laughs) I mean, we're waiting until this podcast makes a lot of money so we can can afford afford therapy. (laughs) Maybe everybody who's listening will be like, you guys need to go (laughs) and start a GoFundMe. Guys, should we set up our Patreon so you can help us pay for therapy? (laughs) I don't know. Like, I'm sort of tempted, but... Continue. Continue. Um, Also, your hair looks beautiful right now. My hair looks beautiful right now. Thank you. 
It was, I had this twisty thing right here. Oh, yeah. So then when I untwisted it, it made it seem so curly. Yeah. Um, thanks. Oh, or it must be my new shampoo. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll talk about that a different time. (laughs) Once we get sponsorship. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Why am I talking about this so much? I don't know. Uh, Because we need money. What? Oh, yeah. I think I was almost done talking. I was just saying that. Oh, I know. Suzanne Stabile asked Audrey Assad if you don't... It was something about how... She referred to the same thing, that, like, it's sometimes hard for her to force herself to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Audrey. Of all the things, all of them were helpful, except for she said, well, I don't know, I just make myself. And I was Whoa. kind of like, wow, I mean, that's great for you, but... Although I think it was in, I think it was in the context of her, um, talking about making music and Mm. she really likes that, you know, so Mm -hmm. that's probably the difference. It was in reference to something that she really likes. It would have been like, can you please declutter? Then who knows? Maybe a different answer. Right. Interesting. I don't know. I have low tolerance for, I need to declutter, but. Everything's taking a sharp left turn, so I'm not going to go on about it right now. Oh, I know what we were going to talk about, weren't we? We have not talked at all about this Marie Kondo thing. Oh. Right? Yes. That was, I had intended from like two weeks ago to teach everybody, all three of you, (laughs) how to properly pronounce, uh... Marie Kondo, right? Yeah, because everybody, now that she's on Netflix. The thing that's so weird is that people are willing to use uh, that it, use it as a verb, right? Con Marie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they say Con Marie, they're pronouncing it correctly. But, but then if they, they try name, to say her whole name, then it suddenly turns into Marie Kondo. So American. <laughs> Which is like, no, that's wrong. Japanese vowels are a, e, u, e, o. So it's not possible. Yeah. Repetitively point out, it's Madie. That's her first name, Madie. And her last name is Kondo. The end. Well, thank you for that Japanese <laughs> lesson. You're welcome. We didn't have a Japanese phrase of the week for a while. Uh, so. Yeah, we haven't. We threw all of our segments by the wayside just so we could talk about any of <laughs> True. <laughs> I've also been, like, flabbergasted by, by how influential that show has been. Like, her book has been out for years, hasn't it? Well, at least, like, maybe four or five. Not that long. Okay. But anyway, like, she... Okay, and maybe this is a telling of our culture, too, but, like, she wrote this book several years ago, and sure, some people did it, but now this Netflix show comes out, and, like, everybody and their brother and their sister and their moms Mm -hmm. are doing it, and I see everybody posting about it on Instagram, and, I mean, I did my clothes, too. Well, I did them when I first got back. There's a pile of clothes over there that need to be... Folded, but that is one of the things that I hate doing. I hate doing laundry in general. It says best book of 2014. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that means it came out in 2014 or maybe 2013. Mm, yeah. Because I feel like that book's been around for quite a while, but mm-hmm. 
than the show, everybody's, like, so inspired. Well, it just goes to demonstrate that people don't read books. Wow. Don't you think? Right? Yeah, I totally, totally. And I think in something like that, too, I think it's harder to read a book about something like that and then do it. Because I'm a visual person, Mm -hmm. so reading a book like that about cleaning up, I don't know that I would be motivated to clean up after reading it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I might feel a little bit motivated, but if I couldn't see the actual results, and maybe that's why so many people are into it. Like, they see it and they feel like um, they can do the same thing. Yeah. Then they feel more motivated to do it. Right. Wait, so have you seen that show at all or not? Yeah, I watched the first episode and I'm then... I'm sorry, you already said that probably. And then redid my... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Closet. Okay. I'm sorry. I am listening. No, that's okay. I was busy researching when the book came out. When right. You said no, that. that's okay. Um, I read the book and I haven't done it at all. The only thing that I've taken from that book, although I honestly feel i somehow already figured this out by myself or somebody taught me it before the book came out Mm -hmm. and that was the thing of uh standing up your clothes Mm, on their sides i i even you i used to do that when i lived in skokie illinois before we moved here Mm -hmm. and that was definitely before that book came out yeah so i don't know i don't know where i got that from I, I do not think I thought of it by myself. I think somebody told me about it, or mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but ever since then, I've always done that. That's the one thing that I'm like, even if I never declutter, but, like, why would you ever arrange your clothes in the drawer any other way? Yeah. Right? Like, I, having your clothes in a stack no. so that you can only see the thing on the top does not make sense. No. At all. Everybody. Stop this podcast and go flip your clothes so that the stack is sitting on its side and you can actually see everything that's in there. Yes. Just go do it. You will be glad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So true. Um, the other thing we didn't talk about is your new mug. Do you yes. want to talk about it? So when I was dog sitting for my sister over Christmas break... Um, there was this fancy schmancy mug sitting on her kitchen ca- counter, and it it has this like really nice saucer looking thing, which is actually the um, charger, because it's an electric um, mug that keeps your temp your whatever's inside coffee tea, I don't know soup at a consistent temperature and you can set it at what temperature you want it at and this I mean every teacher needs one in their classroom really because I can't tell you how much good coffee has gone to waste because I've microwaved it 17 times (laughs) well that's honestly I feel that's a dilemma of every I don't want to speak for men because I don't know but if you're female and you like coffee, then, I don't know, just to be able to sit there and, like, I can drink, never finish a whole thing unless I'm at a coffee shop. Drink an entire cup of coffee, start to finish, and have it be at the perfect temperature the entire time? No. No. It's not possible. No. Not a thing. So, anyway, I, even though they're a little bit on the pricier side, as a Christmas present to myself, I got myself one after I got back. 
And I am here as a witness since I'm so kindly being allowed to use it right now that looking at the app and knowing the temperature of your drink is oddly mesmerizing. <laughs> we made we made the connection that um, it's just as mesmerizing as watching your Domino's pizza guy deliver Wait, to what? your door. Did we already talk about that before? No, but we talked about that before we started recording today. No, I know, but I'm saying, don't you want to explain what you mean? Um, in Japan, I know Domino's gets a bad rep in the U.S., but people, we have limited options here. Um, that's another whole, we could probably do an episode on pizza in Japan. Anyway, Mm. um, Domino's is really our only choice, and so their delivery, on their delivery, um scooters Mm. they have gps trackers and so you literally can um, track your pizza from being made to being in the oven to being sent to your house and you can watch the gps tracker from the store to your house Mm -hmm. yep it's amazing it's amazing but it's just Watching the temperature of your coffee or whatever you're drinking is just as mesmerizing, we have now found out. Yep. Love it. 140, that's the right temperature. Yep. Um, I know we probably don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but this weekend we went to the International Quilt Show. Is it international? That's what the sign said outside the door yesterday when we were leaving. I, I guess it's international in the sense that these three famous quilt ladies who were visiting are not Japanese. Yes. I can't remember where they the were signs from. Said One Finland, America, and Australia, I think. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. The Finnish lady made a big impression on me since she's the one we actually saw. Yeah. And it was also a moment where we were walking around, walking around later shopping, and I turned to all of the group of us that was there, and I went, guys, there's the quilt lady. And then all of us were like, <laughs> but she was just walking around like a normal person. Yeah. We were like, should we ask her to sign something? Wait, we don't actually have any idea who she is. <laughs> Tokyo International Great Quilt Festival 2019. Whoa. So Tokyo International, meaning that there are quilters from all over the world. Yeah, well, it was, the thing that was so cool this time is apparently uh, somebody who organizes this thing, I didn't study that part very well, but they had a program on TV and they invited quilters to make a quilt square based on some mm-hmm. kind of a theme. I think they had a few different themes. And then submit their squares to be included in a quilt. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some Japanese lady quilt artist gathered all the squares. Like, bless her soul, because it was like 20,000 or something, wasn't it? I mean, I don't think it was 20,000, but it was 10,000. Enough to make 60 quilts. Yeah. I think it was 10,000 something. Like... 10,182. Yeah, or I think so. Like 10,000 sounds way more reasonable. So she, I assume she didn't do it by herself, but she got all these squares organized and then somebody, different people, sewed them all together. So there were these 60 quilts and it was a fundraiser for um, the 
NHK NHK charity group? I don't know. I think so, something like that. The point is it was for a good cause. And the quilts were so cute. Can we so put, cute. Can we put pictures in our show notes? Does yeah. that work? Mm-hmm. Do you have some pictures? You do? Yeah, just okay. a few. Um, so you could buy a... tea in your mug? You could buy a raffle ticket? The mug is telling me it's low battery. Oh, okay. <laughs> I keep getting notifications on my watch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know about this connected society. Your watch telling you that your mug is about to run out of battery, so hurry up and drink your drink. Yeah. I mean, if you put it on the charger, you can... It'll... It's fine. Okay. Um... Anyway, I was just trying to say that you could buy a raffle ticket, and then you could put your ticket in the little box next to the quilt that you liked, and hope that you're going to win. I mean, the tickets were only 500 yen also, so I thought that was, for a fundraiser, I thought that was not expensive at all. No, I bet they'll raise a lot of money. I wish I I wish I had a way to to hear back, like, some report of how much... Uh, money they would make, you know? Yeah. So we all put at least two in. Uh-huh. We did. Yeah, that was really fun. I had a good time. When I was talking about it with someone at school today, I was like, in my head, I was like, well, now I sound like a quilt fanatic, and I literally have never quilted in my life before. Hmm, <laughs> whoops. But I did cut out the squares of my t-shirt quilt. Woo. But my mom did the rest. It's okay. That you, you'll, you, That's quilting adjacent. Yeah, I was one-sixth a part of that quilt. I don't know what that means, but okay. I did one-sixth of the work. Okay. I don't know who the five other people were. Your mom. Yeah. What, she did as much work as five people and yeah. I did as much as one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a very nice quilt. I do like it. The thing about these quilts is it doesn't even look like a quilt, though. It's so artistic and amazing, right? Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. The only ones that actually look like the thing that comes to your mind when you think of a quilt are the ones that were in the little kid category. <laughs> or the traditional category. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. But even some of those were. Yeah, even some of those were super fancy. Wow. It was so inspirational. Look at you. You're sewing right now. (laughs) I told you I wanted to go to my pioneer roots. Back to my pioneer roots. (laughs) Wow, you really meant it. I should have brought my... I should have brought my... Oh, sorry. Was that your foot? It was my foot. Um, My foot is totally asleep, so I can't feel anything. You have to put your foot out. Ouch. Okay. Bye. Bye. That's all for this time, everyone. What are your recent quirks or quandaries? Tokyo-related or not? Let us know on Instagram at Two Real Tokyo. That's T O O Real Tokyo. You can follow Angie on Instagram at Photo Freak. P H O T O F R E E K. And you can follow Jamie on Instagram at Jamie in T Y O. That's J A M I E in T Y O. Bye. Bye.